Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and in this podcast, I'm sharing my Sunday sermons from St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I trust that these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. In her book, Daring Greatly, Brene Brown writes that we live in a culture of scarcity, a culture that consistently tells us in various ways we are not enough, not thin enough, not tall enough, not rich enough, not smart enough, not good enough, which produces a great deal of fear and resentment and shame. The opposite of never enough, Brown writes, is enough. What she calls wholeheartedness. Wholehearted living is about engaging in our lives from a a place of worthiness. It means cultivating courage, compassion, and connection. Being vulnerable and authentic and saying to ourselves, yes, I am imperfect but that does not change the truth that I am worthy of love. Knowing we are enough, we have enough, there is enough to share. A message that resonates throughout our scripture readings for today. In Psalm 145, David declares that God our creator is gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. God has compassion for all he has made. God opens his hands and satisfies the desire of every living thing. There is enough food to feed everyone on the planet. God provides. The question is how we use that provision. Second Kings recounts the 50-year ministry of the prophet Elisha the student and successor of the prophet Elijah. Like prophets before and after him, Elisha spoke the word and did the work of the Lord. By the grace and power of God, he provided an abundance of profitable oil for a poor widow who was in debt to creditors who'd been threatening to take her two sons into slavery to repay the debt. He cleansed the water in a spring in order to provide drinkable water for the city of Jericho. He healed Naaman of leprosy by instructing him to dip seven times in the river Jordan. Elisha trusted the Lord to do miraculous things through him, and a great many people benefited. In our reading for today, while there is a famine in the land, An unnamed man brings Elisha a sack of grain and 20 loaves of barley. It's described as first fruits, an offering made to God of the first and best produce of the harvest. And Elisha says, give it to the people and let them eat. His servant very practically replies that they don't have enough to feed all the people. But Elijah repeats, give it to the people and let them eat. 
because the Lord has said there will be more than enough food to feed the people. And so it was. There was plenty of food for the people with some left over according to the word of the Lord. Elisha feeds a hundred with some left over. Jesus feeds thousands with much left over. By this point in his public ministry, Jesus has called disciples, explained to Nicodemus how much God loves the world, offered living water to a Samaritan woman at a well, healed the son of a royal official, provided an abundance of wine at a wedding in Cana, about 175 gallons, 800 bottles of the good stuff. And word has spread. A large crowd has started following Jesus because they've seen the signs he's been doing, experienced the healing he's been bringing, heard the good news he's been teaching. A crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children as the other gospel accounts tell us. So it was likely two or three times that number. And Jesus intends to feed them, all of them, thousands of them. And so Jesus points out the need to his disciples and asks them how the need will be met. Not, as John, the author of the gospel notes, because Jesus doesn't know what to do, Jesus knows what he's going to do, but because he wants to see what his disciples will do, how they will respond to the needs of the people around them. Jesus is perfectly able to do this miraculous thing all on his own, but he wants his followers to do it with him. And so Jesus asks his disciple, Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat. Philip was from Bethsaida, most likely the nearest city to the present location of Jesus and his disciples and the hungry crowd. And so it makes sense that Jesus would ask Philip as a local where to buy bread. The issue for Philip, however, is not where, but how. They are on a hillside on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, some distance from a city or a community center or marketplace, and long before there was Uber Eats or Domino's Pizza. And even had there been a McDonald's right around the corner, they didn't have enough money to buy food for everyone. As Philip states, six months' wages wouldn't be enough. And it's likely that Jesus and his disciples did not even have that sum on hand. In response to the prompting of Jesus, Philip very practically replies that they don't have enough. And then Andrew, the disciple of Jesus, the brother of Peter, steps forward with a possibility. A boy has packed a lunch with five loaves of barley, which at that time was even less expensive than wheat, and two fish, which were likely dried so they would keep during travel the equivalent of a Lunchable today. But like Philip, Andrew very practically states that one small lunch intended for one young man is not enough to feed thousands. 
What is so little among so many? They don't have enough. But Jesus knows that they do. They do have the resources to meet the need. They do have enough, more than enough, because Jesus is with them. And so Jesus instructs his disciples to tell the people to sit on the grass, once again inviting his disciples to participate in his work. And he takes the bread and gives thanks and distributes it along with the fish. Give thanks in Greek is Eucharisto, from which we get Eucharist. And then John goes right from Jesus giving thanks and distributing the bread and fish to they all ate and were satisfied. John doesn't actually describe the miracle unfolding. He doesn't explain how Jesus fed all those people with five loaves of bread and two fish. As C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Miracles, God takes grain and makes more grain all the time. God takes fish and makes more fish. God created the water and grapes and soil and sunlight, which under proper conditions will produce wine. God heals us through the natural restorative processes of our human bodies, and today through the remarkable medical technology available to us. God provides abundant life all over the place all the time. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, did in particular and concrete and yes, accelerated ways what the God of the universe always does everywhere whether or not we pay attention, whether or not we notice, whether or not we take it for granted. And so John doesn't call the miracles of Jesus miracles. He calls them signs, signs of God's investment, God's compassion, God's abundance for all. Signs that Jesus Christ is God with us and for us forever. God, who came and joined with us in our humanity, lived a life of grace and truth, suffered and died on the cross, taking our sin and death as his own and freeing us from them forever, rose again to life on the third day, giving us life eternal. Jesus Christ came that we may have life and have it abundantly. After everyone has eaten their fill, the disciples collect 12 baskets full of leftovers. 12 is a significant number throughout Scripture. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles. 12 represents wholeness, completeness, abundance, particularly in terms of the people of God. Christ, as Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, fills us with the fullness of God. The Apostle Paul visited the city of Ephesus several times and spent three years there during his third missionary journey, building up the church with his co-workers in Christ like Priscilla and Aquila, Timothy and Luke, 
and through the ministry of Paul and his companions, many people heard and received the word of the Lord and became followers of Christ. And Paul's prayer for them, to the loving parent of every family on earth, is that they would be strong in their core through the power of the Spirit. They would trust Christ with their whole being. They would know with all the saints of God the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. Not just head knowledge, not just intellectual agreement with a belief system, not just knowing about Christ, knowing Christ, experiencing the presence of Christ, being in relationship with Christ. There is a difference between knowing about and knowing someone. I know about Tom Hanks. I don't know Tom Hanks. Paul's prayer for his friends is that they know Jesus Christ, experience the abundance of God, live wholehearted lives, cultivating courage and compassion and connection with Christ and each other, knowing how completely they are loved. This is my prayer for all of you. We might think we don't have enough. Enough money, enough time, enough strength, enough energy, enough worth. We may think we are not enough. Like Philip and Andrew on that hillside before Jesus fed thousands, our five loaves and two fish may seem very small in a world where the need is so great. But Christ can use whatever we give him. Christ can use us to do miraculous things. By the grace and power of God, we can bring people food and healing and hope. We can be a loving presence for people who are hurting or feel alone. We can help each other survive and thrive. We can make a difference. We can overflow with the abundance of our good and gracious Lord. We are enough. We have enough. There is enough to share. And now, to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we, than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're doing this every week, so make sure to subscribe. If you'd like more information about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.